Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello, and welcome to Journey into Passion with the NKS on Everyday Folks Radio. It is 3 p.m. on March 30th, 2019, and I am your host, Anike S. Thank you for tuning in. Now, during each show, I always hope you'll be inspired and encouraged as we all continue on our journeys into our passions. I also hope you hear something that will challenge the way you normally do things so that you will go from working on your passions to realizing them while learning some valuable lessons along the way. Welcome to all new listeners. I truly hope that you get something great out of today's show, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in. And a special happy birthday weekend to Cassandra Shepard, who is celebrating number 60, and to my first lady, Pamela Malone of the Bethel Church, who is celebrating her 21st birthday again. Happy birthday to you both, and happy birthday to everyone who is celebrating this past week and this weekend. Tune in tomorrow for BJ Speaks at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Everyday Folks Radio Network and check out what's happening on this show and future shows at www.facebook.com slash Journey into Passion with Anike S and, of course, my blog at AnikeMadison.com. Come back on April 13th and 20th for two new shows. One is called Rewrite and the next is Next Chapter. And stay tuned for the launch of my very first book entitled A Basic Step-by-Step Caregiver's Guide, Preparing for the Medical Appointments and Hospitalizations. And check out my Facebook page for more and all of this and shows coming up for caregivers. Check out that as well as the launch of my new book. Now, the last show, I spoke about the word yet and how we need to stop talking about what won't happen and concentrate on what will. And I missed an email from Kenneth McCoy, and I'd like to read that now. We tend to follow the paths that are popular as opposed to the paths we should be on. There's too much noise in our reality. And he said I was speaking about this now as he was typing the email. If you're not willing to travel a path alone, you should test with the spirit whether it is truly your path. Something to think about. Thank you, Kenneth. I really appreciate it, and I appreciate you tuning in. I hope you're still tuning in today. Now, I also told you that I'm going to have two very special people coming on today's show, and I wanted to share with you their very impressive background. Socrates Xantis is a Hall of Fame Entrepreneurship Awardee. Socrates is also currently the CEO of the All-County Property Management, a multi a multi-million dollar business with four offices throughout Florida. Socrates is also the CEO of Critical Path Counseling, a thriving business consulting firm. Prior to becoming the CEO of All County, Socrates spent 14 years with Sprint, serving in several leadership roles, including training manager, regional sales manager, and senior operations manager for Sprint's BISO. Mr. Exantis is an international leadership, entrepreneurship, and real estate speaker. He earned his BA in management from UCF and a master's in project management from George Washington University. He is a licensed real estate instructor and Florida Realtors instructor. And Socrates is an Amazon best-selling author of Find Your Hedgehog and Stop Working. He is on the board of directors of of UCF College of Business, Integrated Business, and and UCF, sorry, UCF Real Estate Advisory Council. And his lovely wife, Cassandra Exantis, is COO, broker, and a leader of four successful real estate offices. She managed over $200 million in real estate assets. She is a Florida realtor, instructor, and has spent over 15 years combined leadership, real estate, asset management, and consumer relations experience. She attributes her vast knowledge to her experience with two of the top of America's top builders. 
She won several awards and is a top sales consultant selling over $30 million in revenue. She she was an independent agent for three leading real estate companies, and she was an assistant community director for a national leader in high-quality, focused, customer-focused property management of multifamily and single-family affordable rental housing communities. She is also the co-author of this amazing book that we're going to be talking about today, and she is on the advisory board for Integrated Business in the UCF College of Business. Now, if you, the lines of communication are open, the emails are ready at NikkeiPassionJourney at gmail.com. Call 347-539-5372 and press number one on your keypad. That way I'll know you're ready to join the conversation. All right. Without further ado, we've got to get this thing going. Welcome, Socrates and Cassandra. Hello, Hello. How are you? How are you doing? I am so excited for this conversation, and we have a lot to talk about, it, so let's not, no further ado. Let's just get right into it. Now, now that I've shared your background, I have some students that are tuning in, and so I wanted to kind of start with them. And Socrates, I know while you were earning your degree in management and project management, I want to know what kind of opportunities did you take advantage of as a student that helped your career? Well, you know, that's a very interesting question because Cassandra and I, as you know, Anike, we travel across the country speaking at major universities, including Indiana University and, of course, uh, University of Central Florida. So that question is interesting because as a college student, one of the best things I did was really uh, pick up books that were not assigned to me. What I mean by that is, as a college student, you get assigned books to read for tests and quizzes. But I remember picking up a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That was not an assigned uh, book. That was a book that a friend of mine recommended. And that book changed my life. So I think as we talk about passion, is even if you're a college student, you might not know exactly what your passion is going to be. But if you have an interest in a subject, pick up a book, network with people. That's probably one of the best things that I would recommend to, to students that are looking for that type of advice when they're in school how to discover your passion is just start reading and surrounding yourself with people uh, that are in the industry that you're interested in. Excellent, excellent. And Cassandra, share your, your educational background and please answer the same question. So I graduated from the University of Central Florida, and I think for me, um, I took more of a non-traditional route. Um, I graduated with uh, my, my bachelor's in, in, uh, in arts, and uh, although my background is not in business, Socrates is absolutely correct. By virtue of being introduced or working in a business myself, picking up books and reading different things to introduce my mind and to introduce sort of my, um, yeah. my environment and my curiosity with business is yeah. what I did. Um, and so uh, many, many students, when they start off and they go to school, usually for the first two years, we're all doing sort of the same track. And then after that, we're all trying to figure out where we want to go. And so many times you hear of people who sort of change their, their uh, degree route or journey, and they've switched it up. And they're, now they're, maybe they started off as a medical student, and now they're going to be um, doing hospitality or something like that. So for me, my journey, I didn't have as much focus, but once I started getting into the real estate industry, I knew that's where my passion was, and I started getting um, diving into that uh, industry and learning as much as I could so that I could prepare myself for where I am today. So to piggyback on what Cassandra said, Anike, it's really interesting because I get asked that question all the time. How did you start in real estate? How did you build a real estate company with your wife? Let me tell you what happened. Right. So as a college student, okay, I was 19 years old when I began my journey into real estate. While I was getting a business degree, I was really, really interested in real estate. So do you, I don't know if you know this, but I bought my first rental property while I, while I was still a college student at UCF. And so mm-hmm. while I was getting my bachelor's degree 
and I, I got a full-time job and saved a little bit of money, and I bought my first rental property. I continued working for Corporate America, as you read in my bio, for 14 years, but on the side, my passion was always real estate and leadership speaking. So I uh, bought my first rental property as a college student, and by the time I met Cassandra, I had three properties as, as, as I had just graduated, and I had three rental properties already doing what I thought I was really, really passionate about while I was still climbing up the ladder in corporate America. Yeah, I love that because you have some students that are, like Cassandra was saying, you, you go one way, then you, you switch up, and, and you may be thinking that you're failing, but in the, it, at the end, you're really not as long as you figure it out. You know, right. like, like you did, Cassandra, that's, and that's excellent. And then some students, they, like, like Socrates was saying, you, you get started young, and then all, and you start to realize as you're, as you're doing things, because some people may think you're doing something too early, but obviously that's not really the case. You can actually start things early and figure things out and start finding your passion pretty early in life. So I love Absolutely. it. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Okay, now I know that a lot of people, they looked at the cover of your book, and I can imagine that person that has worked hard all week, it's Friday, they're exhausted, they're tired, and they stop and they look and they see, stop working. They don't even look at the rest of the book. All they see is stop working. Stop. <laughs> and they're like, yes, let me take it to the How counter. do I do that? How do I I'm do that? I'm the book. <laughs> How do I do it? How do I do it? <laughs> and so... And so really, at the end of the day, that's not really what you're talking about. So let's no. get into the hedgehog concept. Sure, sure. Get into the hedgehog concept. So there's a couple of stories behind the hedgehog concept, but I'll share with you a, a very, very interesting story. My mentor, who I write about in the book, asked me one day, Socrates, what if you spend the next 20 or 30 years in corporate America climbing up the ladder only to realize that you climbed up the wrong ladder. And when he asked me that question, my whole world changed because I knew that I was not built to, to stay in corporate America. So it really uh, forced me to start thinking about what my passion was, what I was really passionate about. But let me share, share a quick story with you. We just moved back to Central Florida about eight months ago. My daughter is taking piano lessons from a lady uh, two streets over. Cassandra mentioned to her, the piano teacher, that we had just written a book, so she picked up the book and read the first couple of chapters. I went to drop off my daughter to her house for piano class, and she rushed to my car, Nika. She said to me, Socrates, you and Cassandra must have written a book about me. Did you interview me? Of course, she was joking because we had just met her, <laughs> and she proceeded to tell me what happened. This is a true story. She tells me that two years ago, she had a heart attack. And I asked her what happened. She said, I, was late. Uh, I, I, I just um, ended up in the hospital with a heart attack, and the doctors would not release her because her levels were not adjusting enough for the doctors to feel comfortable to release her. Every time they started thinking about releasing her, it just spiked up, and it just made uh, – it, it wouldn't allow her to be released. And she said to me, as she laid in the hospital bed, she looked at the ceiling, and she kept praying, God, what happened? And she, it dawned on her. What was happening in the Nikkei, the job was killing her. You see, she was a, um, she was a, in the banking industry, working in banking IT, making over six figures a year. But the job, she tells me that every year, the goals got tougher, the pressure mounted, and it got more stressed every, every single year. So the job was killing her. She then made a decision two years ago that she was going to quit the job. And as soon as she made that decision, within a few days, she was released from the hospital, and she told me that she has never worked a day in her life since then. Of course, I know exactly what she means, but maybe the listeners may not know. What she, mean by, what she meant by that is that when she found her passion, she stopped working. You see, what she did was she combined her two passions. Her two passions are piano and teaching. So now she's a piano teacher. She owns a piano school, and she's making as much money as she was making before, but she tells me over the last two years, she hasn't worked a day in her life because when you find your passion, work stops being work. That's a prime example of someone who has found their hedgehog where they stop working. So, of course, we don't mean 
to study, you know, the hedgehog concept is not about relaxing on the beach, working a few hours a week, or sitting at home doing absolutely nothing. And in fact, what I've learned, Cassandra and I, and of course a lot of the folks that we coach and speak to, they actually put in more hours than the average person, but it doesn't feel like work. Because when you love what you do, work <laughs> is not work. It is something you can do all day. You don't get tired as much. And that's really the, the idea behind the hedgehog concept. I'll give you the genesis in a minute to kind of tell you what that means, the whole hedgehog concept. But that's the mm-hmm. idea behind find your hedgehog and stop working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I love what you said about this, this woman because some people are scared because they're thinking, okay, if I quit this and I take a huge pay cut, what's going to happen? And it could work out very well that you end up, Making the same or more, you know, and so you you can't be too can't be too scared to make the change if it's necessary. Not at all, I because like here's what I've learned, and I teach this to all my clients. I have a lot of clients. We have a lot of clients that we that we do business coaching for. The idea that if you love what you do and you do it long enough, you will be good or even great at it. And if you're great at something. You can make a living doing it in many cases. So it's riskier, I think, working for a large company at times and, and, mm-hmm. instead of perhaps uh, following your passion. Now, again, the book is not about quitting your job and, and, and starting your own business because that's not the path for everyone. But even if you work for right. someone else, the goal is to find an industry, a department, a career that you're passionate about because you can still find your hedgehog and stop working and, and while you're working in corporate America, the idea is to find the thing that, that moves you that you're super passionate about. That keeps you in your wheelhouse. That keeps you in your, in your wheelhouse. You know, it's so funny because we actually just did a workshop um, last week, and we mm-hmm. were talking about that, the entrepreneur versus the entrepreneur. So mm. absolutely right, like Socrates said, we're not preaching that everyone should go out and be an entrepreneur, but that if you are working for an organization or company, there may be opportunities within that organization that fits you, that suits you, that mm-hmm. sparks a passion within you. I can't tell you yeah. how many people we come across that are just, they're, they're untapped resources. They have so much talent, but the position or the role that they're in is just not suited for them. But if you get somebody in their wheelhouse, I mean, how many of us have been, you know, either out at a restaurant or, you know, we've watched maybe our children um, interact with teachers that are absolutely brilliant. They are in their wheelhouse. This is their passion. This is who they are, and it exudes out of them. And that's like one of our, our goals, if you will is to find individuals that are untapped resources and help them find the thing that really drives them and put them on the right mm-hmm. seat on the bus. And that's when they come to life. That's when the magic happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there is a, on page 14 of the book, there, we have the Venn diagram. In the Venn yes. diagram, you have the hedgehog in the middle. And yes. it's what are, what, you, what are you deeply passionate about, mm-hmm. what you can best, can, can, okay, I'm going to say this again. What you can be best in the world at and what mm-hmm. drives your economic engine. Correct. I like it. That is the hedgehog concept. And I love it. I love it. I love it. And so, you, um, of course, you, being a, a sports enthusiast, um, Socrates, you, you break it down and you, you have a, uh, an example of um, Coach Stevens. And I, yes. I like how you, because the 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 the, uh, the sports re- references, even though as a, you know I'm not a sports person, but it actually helps me to understand because you kind of you look at it and you say hmm, but then you kind of break it down, and so I really right. I really like that, and so um, share, just share a little bit about that because it's just a, just in case that listener is listening and saying okay I'm still kind of not understanding. Sure, sure. You know what, this story is not in the book, but I'll share a more personal story with you. Obviously, I use the example with Brad Stevens because he's more of a recognizable name, a person who's found his hedgehog. But I'll share with you a quick story about a personal family member. I have a younger brother. His name is Jovens Exantis. He lives out in California. He uh, is a year younger than me. He went to school at USF, University of South Florida, and he also went to school at UCF. University of Central Florida. 
He and I lived together when we were in our late teens, early 20s. He finished his degree in business, and he worked for AT&T while I worked for a company called Sprint. So we worked for competitors. He worked in IT, but he, wasn't in, he didn't love his job or position. He did it. He made a good living doing it, but he didn't love his job. And a few months later, he met a young lady, and they started dating. And a few months after that, they left. They quit their jobs, and they moved to California. And we were questioning why they moved to California. But he left everything and took you know, his personal belongings, and he went to California. They went back to school. They spent another two and a half, three years in school. He studied film, and she was also in the film industry as well. And uh, a few years after he graduated, he began working in the film industry. He worked on shows like um, uh, uh, Real World, Bachelorette, and he landed a show called Project Runway. He became an editor for the show Project Runway, and he worked on that show for six or seven years. Wouldn't you believe it that a couple years uh, uh, ago, he and his team were nominated for an Emmy. Now he is an Emmy-nominated editor for the show Project Runway. Now, that wow. is an example of a personal example of a family member of mine, my little brother, a year younger than me, who has found his hedgehog. You know how we know he's found his hedgehog? Every time we talk to him, it's about the film industry. It's about movies. It's about what he's doing with these uh, actors he's meeting. He sends us pictures, posting on Facebook all over the place about the, the people he's meeting the, 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 the kind of things he's doing, the cutting-edge technology that they're using for movies. And so Cassandra, being a movie buff, she calls him often. He is her go-to person about what's the next movie to watch, what to watch for when you're watching a movie, to be efficient at watching the movie and at its optimal. And so that is a perfect example, personal example, of what it means to find your hedgehog. So the idea is this. It's the intersection between three concepts. The first one is something that you're deeply, deeply passionate about. That one thing that when you wake up in the morning, you can't wait to do it, and if they weren't paying you to, for, to do it, you would still do it. So that's number one, finding something you're deeply passionate about. Number two, it's finding something that you can be good or great and be the best, the best at it. And then lastly, something that drives your economic engine. Because you know, Anike, if you love what you do, you're passionate about it, and you are great at it, but you're not making any money, that is called a hobby. So we're not preaching for people yeah. to find a hobby that they can't make any money doing and quitting their job. That is not what we're talking about. And number two, if you're passionate about something and you're making great money, but you're not very good at it, we call that a dream because no, no one's going to pay you a huge amount of money for something that you're not very good at just because you have the passion for it. My ultimate favorite yeah. is this. If you're great at something, Anike, but you're, and you're making a ton of money doing it, but you're not mm -hmm. passionate about it, what do you call that? That is called a job. And there are 90% <laughs> of Americans have jobs, and, and yeah. they hate it. And that's why my friend, who is our piano teacher, my daughter's piano teacher, quit her high-paying job because there was no passion. And she feels like she's on vacation. She said she hasn't worked in two years because she loves what she That's does. That's fantastic. That is absolutely fantastic. I love that. So many people listening are like, okay, sign me up for that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> and so, okay, I want to get to, and uh, I don't want to miss anything, so I have an uh, email from Kip J, and okay. she says, how do you convince people to live their passions without being obsessed on how to fund it? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. Cassandra, you want to? You know, something that, because um, uh, we, we talk to um, students sometimes, but just recently, like I mentioned, we, we, we were talking to a group in um, Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, and the thing that a lot of people don't understand is sometimes there is a process before you get to where it is that you want to go. And there's a saying that I say is that, Sometimes you can learn on somebody else's dime and somebody else's time, meaning that you can work for an organization and that whatever role you're in is actually going to prepare you for either the path of entrepreneurship or for the path of, uh, you know, being an executive, for example, because you know what every role takes in order to be effective. And so as you move up in the ranks, if you understand how every 
uh, position or how every role contributes to the greater whole, how much more value or how much value can you add to that organization? Because if something needs to change, by virtue of you understanding every single process, you can make decisions that will impact the organization in a positive way as opposed to flying blind, if you will. So this idea of, you know, wanting to just step into your passion, you're just going to step right into it, there's a couple of things that you need along the way. You can work towards that, meaning you have a couple of goals, you have a couple of milestones that you need to reach to, but at least you know the direction that you're going, but it's not going to happen overnight. For example, you know, the industry that we're in, I didn't start out knowing that I wanted to work in real estate. It wasn't actually was not my passion, to be quite honest. I discovered my passion by working when I was in college, and I happened to get my one of my first jobs when I when I was working uh, while I was going to UCF was working for an apartment complex, um, and I loved it. It was phenomenal. Unfortunately, it wasn't conducive to my schedule for school, so I had to leave it and do something part-time. But the point is, is that I was introduced to something that led to my passion. So sometimes we have to fall in love with the process, or we have to go on the journey, and along the way we're going to discover the tools and the things that we need to be in our passion. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Dr. T, you want to chime in on that one? No, well, I think she said it um, best when I think about the question that your listener asked. You know, it is a very real question. How do you just drop everything and even not ready to fund it to go for it? And so we, we are very careful when we give advice to people about doing just that. As Cassandra mentioned, in some cases you may not be prepared and so the best, the best thing you can do, you may not be prepared financially, the best thing you can do is prepare yourself mentally and expose yourself to different disciplines. For example, my path is different. While I knew I, I loved real estate, I bought my first home when I was a college student, I worked for corporate America for 14 years. So I didn't just leave school and decided I'm going to do this. I knew at that point, even if I knew that that was my passion, I knew that I didn't have the skill set to do it. So to Cassandra's point, wherever you are, try to get as much experience as you can because one day it may be necessary to help you run your empire. So, for example, my path was different. I worked for a large company. I was in the training department. I became a training manager. I worked in HR, worked in sales, worked in marketing, worked in sales operations. So I've seen all the different departments that you can have in a company. And so when, I was, when it was my time to go, Cassandra and I, to actually launch our, our venture, I had all the experiences that I needed to be successful. So I wasn't learning on my time, as Cassandra mentioned before, I learned all I needed to learn on someone else's dime and in someone else's time, and they were paying me good money to learn. I called it my playground. For me, when you know that it's not your passion but you have a job somewhere, treat it like your playground, like your gym. For example, when I go to the gym every morning at 5.30 in the morning, I'm working out because when I do play sports, uh, I'm ready. And so if you know that you're working for a company that is not your passion, treat it like your playground, like your gym. Work those muscles, work those, get those resources, the knowledge that you need so that when it's time for you to play your game, you will be pretty, you will be prepared. Yeah. Right, right. And I love something that both of you kind of said in there, because uh, sometimes when adults get into um, their entrepreneur ventures or they, they as they just they, they change directions and they get older and they think, I don't know about getting a mentor, I don't know about being mentored, or I don't know about learning from somebody. And it's, it's so important. You, you have to do that, if, oh. if, especially if you're starting something, learn from the person that's successful. You know, don't be, don't be afraid to get a mentor. And that's, 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 that's a good point. That's you know, so one of the things that we talk about, Nikkei, uh, well, that's a good point. Mentoring is so critical. You are absolutely right. A lot of people don't value mentoring, getting mentored. I tell you this because I think but for my mentor, who I talk about in the book, I don't know that I would have had the courage to take the leap of faith that I've done over the years. And so that is really important that folks get not just one mentor, two or three mentors, because sometimes mentors have different disciplines that they're proficient at. 
You may need a mentor that's in this expertise in marketing, or you may need someone that's a leadership. You may need someone just to talk, to be a sounding board. And it's important to get mentors, and it doesn't matter how old you are. Now, for example, for me, I, you know, at my age, I'm mentoring people that are 20, 30 years my senior. And that's fine because my experience is, you know, I have several different uh, experiences and things that I've done in my past. So it's not even about the age. So at the end of the day, you can get a mentor who's younger than you. For A lot of the folks that I mentor and coach today are, are older than me. But so it's perfectly fine to have mentors. But I will tell you this. What I've learned, Anike, about all the books that I've read and all the mentors that I've had is this. Highly successful people, in many cases, don't mind sharing their, uh, their, their journey to success, how they did it. Many of them have written books. Many of them will sit down and give feedback, free feedback to people. The problem is sometimes, as you mentioned before, we're too proud to ask for help or pick up a book. I tell you, some of the most incredible people I know, if you pick up their book, it will change your life because they yeah. don't mind sharing with you what they've done to get to where they are. The problem is, and I heard this, which is really a bad thing that I've heard, but I'll share with you. Somebody, I've heard someone say, if you want to hide a secret, put it in a book. Mm-hmm. Mm. Some, people, wow. people, some people will not pick up a book, and they are losing out, missing out on the secrets of success. One of my favorite, yeah. ultimate favorite book is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I read that book mm-hmm. when I was 19 years old. It shaped my life. It is a foundation for my book and all the things that I believe in my principles. And, again, I don't want my kids or people that I mentor to miss out on the secrets that are hidden in books because a lot of successful yeah. people have written about what they've done to be successful. All we have to do is pick up a book. And, you know, to, to uh, Socrates' point, Anike, is that uh, some of us, are in positions where we're the ones that are leading the ones around us, meaning we don't, we, maybe they haven't found a mentor yet, um, and, and maybe mm-hmm. you're still on the journey trying to find, and you're the one sort of mentoring others. Um, Napoleon yeah. Hill talks about this in his chapter, Thinking Grow Rich. And I remember when I read the chapter, I said, man, he sounds really crazy. But he talks about all of these great men that he admired that he imagines in a room. And he taps into them as if he's having a conversation with them whenever he's faced with a situation and he consults with them. So those were mm-hmm. his mentors. Um, yeah. And so, but like Socrates said, when you read a book, it's almost like you get a virtual mentor and you keep them locked in a room. And whenever you're faced with a circumstance, a situation, you consult with each of your mentors in, in, in your mind, if you will, um, in order to kind of um, figure out or formulate the direction by which you want to go. So for some of us, we haven't quite found that mentor yet. We're still searching. And, and you should. That's, that's definitely a path. But don't stop there. Pick up those books. Yeah. Those are your virtual mentors, if you will, until you find yeah. your, your actual mentor. Now, in any case, speaking Absolutely. of mentors, I, I have to share this with you. This is really, really, truly uh, powerful. I, read about, I wrote about this in my book, my mentor, Monty Pollard. Let me tell you one of the most powerful things you can do, and it's been said before a million times, is to say thank you. I remember uh, feeling a sense of gratitude for having such a great mentor. One time, I decided to write an email. So I, read, I wrote an email to Mont- Monty, my mentor. Uh, this is years after he became my mentor. The email simply stated, thank you for being my mentor over the years. I appreciated your, your, your time. And during your mentorship relationship with me, my salary tripled and all the accomplishments that I've had since he became my mentor. I sent him the email. He, he actually called me a few days later, and he could barely speak. He was in tears because he said to me, you don't know what that meant to me. I said, what do you mean? You mean the thank you letter? He said, yes. He said, I was so touched, moved by your letter that I read it to my family at dinner, and they were all in tears because they know me as daddy, they know me as a husband, but they don't know me as a mentor. And that allowed them to see the impact that I've had on other people outside of our family. He said, our whole family talked about what it means to give back. Now, this gentleman has never uh, charged me anything for his time, but what he told me that day was so powerful because he said, your thank you letter made a difference. And he said to me, I don't know if you realize this, but I've learned a lot, probably more than you have, 
from our relationship. And I said, what do you mean by that? He said, the mentor is learning so much from you, the mentee. And it dawned on me that this relationship about a mentor, if you want to find a mentor, mentor someone else. You'll understand mm-hmm. how the relationship should work. You'll be, you'll be thankful for it, and you'll take your mentors more seriously. And it is a process of giving back or paying it forward. Mm-hmm. And that is a part of a mentor relationship that a lot of people often don't overlook. They think the mentee gets the most out of it. The mentors can get a lot of out of it as well, especially if the mentee uses these most simple words in the English language, and that is to say thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. And speaking of learning from the book, find your hedgehog and stop working when you find your passion and work stops being work. I tell you, personally, because this is, when you read it, you may think this is for, the, this is for business people's focus. Mm-hmm. But when you really, really look at it, it's for anyone who is pursuing their passion and for those of you who've been listening to me for a while, you know that's me. And I have gotten so much from this book. I, I'm going to reread it because there's just so many nuggets in this book. I, I found it difficult trying to figure, pull, pull out what I wanted to talk today because it was so much. But I just want to thank you both for just writing this, this book. It's, it's excellent, excellent, excellent book. I love it. And um, speaking of mentors, uh, Cassandra, I I like something that was really interesting. You talked about your mentor Betty Ford, and you it, it just reminded me of something because you you had one of those moments where she said, you know, well, how are you going to set yourself apart? And you said, I'm just going to do my best. I'm going to I'm going to get out there and do my best. And you were kind of deflated when she says, no, <laughs> that's not yes, it. Yes, <laughs> I really was. I love that. Tell that story. (laughs) I I really was. I mean, think about it. When you think of a mentor, it's like somebody you look up to. There there has to be something about that person that just, you know, it moved you. And you were just like, man, I want to be just like that, whether it was, you know, confidence, whatever it was. So to be sitting across from that person and you're you're just so, and I was so young um, and impressionable. I wanted to impress her. And I did. I felt deflated. But the words meant so much to me. I think so much of the time, whenever we meet people um, that we're either leading or um, maybe we're even when we're mentoring, we want to be sort of nice and and we want to kind of tiptoe over over the facts. And and what we don't understand is by holding people accountable or not letting them um, get away with with niceties sometimes impacts them more. And I thought that she was very frank and blunt with me, and that was more powerful than any kind words that um, people may just want to kind of tap you on the back. And she just really flat out said, no, you've got to do all that you can do. Um, Because if you think that you're doing your best and your best isn't good enough, then you've got a blind side along the way. And when she just squarely told me that, I carried it with me wherever I went. And many times if I ever did fail, if I went back and kind of examined my steps or the actions that I took, I could see I did not do all that I could do. Um, and then when people point out your, you know, your missteps, you're like, oh, yeah, I, 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 I should have done that. Um, and so right. I think it's important sometimes that you have to hear that harsh feedback, but I think also on the other end, don't be afraid to give that harsh feedback because it could propel somebody yeah. to the next level. Absolutely. And speaking of another influence, I I have to be the both the, the bold and proud person right now, and just read a little bit of something. I saw sure. across a woman from a table who was an insurance agent. She may be in her fifties or so, and she's incredibly passionate about her field. And I and I had what what I would call a customer service uh, service per, uh, sorry customer service uh, oriented personality, and she insisted on meeting me in person, and you discussed very various things, and she asked the question, to what do you attribute to your success? And I hadn't really thought about it, and then I said humbly, we're a great franchise system, and we have a great team and great strategy, and. I think that God played a role in our success. And she literally stopped me and said, no, he did not. 
Of course, I was stunned by her response. And she said, God did not play a role. He is the main character. And you and your team are playing the role, are playing a role. Who is that woman? My, that woman let me is, tell you, that say, woman say, is say. amazing. So, so <laughs> let me tell you, so sometimes we talk about mentors, but let me share with you. My mission in life is to move, touch, and inspire people to live up to their God-given potential. And sometimes people do that for me. So this woman's name is Sylvia, none other than Sylvia Madison. I remember sitting with her as you read that portion of that book where Sylvia literally stopped me in my tracks because I thought I hadn't figured out. I was young and humbled but still confident. But when she told me that God did not play a role in my success, that he was the main character, I had never heard that before. And I just it changed everything. From that moment on, everything changed. And here's why. Sylvia made me understand that God is the main character, and a lot of the successes you're going to have in life, he just wants you to do your part. And what I mean by that is this. A lot of the things that we've accomplished, but for God, we wouldn't have accomplished them. A lot of the people we've met, but for God, we would not have met them. So when I realized that, and she really helped me crystallize that, and my life changed from that moment because I was always a busy person uh, with very, very high, lofty goals, and I put a lot of pressure on myself to accomplish those goals. And so I'd done well you know, with setting goals, but from that day forward, I understood that I don't need to put so much pressure on myself because if I do what I need to do, my absolute best and everything I could do, as Cassandra mentioned, the, the architect is going to take care of his job. I just have to do my part. Because in the grand scheme of things, maybe my role is part of a larger mission that I don't even know about. So my role is to understand that I am not the main character, stop carrying the burden of the, the pressure because I have 25, 30 people reporting to me with multiple locations. Nowadays, I do my absolute best, and when my best is not enough, I do everything I can, like Cassandra said. But knowing that God is the main character, oh, my God, it, it has changed my life. And that person was none other than Ms. Sylvia Madison. Do you know who she is? My mom. <laughs> <laughs> She's a powerful so woman. Awesome. She is. And you know what's interesting yes, about is. mentors and, and people that, that affect you? Sometimes they don't even know what they've done to change your life. Yeah. That's why I say to you, Anike, the most important thing your audience can hear from this part of our conversation is this. Say thank you. When I called Sylvia to tell her that I'd written about her in the book, she had no idea that she'd made such an impression on me. And sometimes the mentees, the people that are learning from the more wiser people, we don't realize how much they need to hear what they've done for you, to you, what they've said to you that changed your life. So nowadays, I go around thinking about the people that have changed my life and made an impact on me. Not only do I write about them if they give me permission to do that, but I email, I text, I call just to say thank you. I think it is the most powerful two words you can say in the English language, and it's not used often enough to give kudos to our mentors. Yeah. And both of you have made another very good point when it comes to the mentor and mentee relationship. Apply it. Don't just take it in. Apply what you've, what you've learned. Apply, and don't be afraid to, if they've, if they've made changes and they've taken chances and they're trying to show you that these are different ways that you can do things and they're, actually, they're speaking these things into you, take those chances. Apply what they're saying and don't just let it fall by the wayside. And that's what you both have Absolutely. done and it's led you to a great success. Absolutely. You've ever heard the saying, um, knowledge is power. I, I always tell people, I, I, I challenge you that knowledge is not power. It's applied knowledge that's power. That's what yes. I, I believe. Yes, 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 absolutely. Okay, so we have a caller, and I'm not even going to tell you who this is. 
Oh, no. Kali, you're on yeah. here. Thank you. And this is the most humble Sylvia Madison. Now we calling to say thank you. Hello there. Hello. Hello. <laughs> you know I was listening. And I was just like, I wanna cry. But this was this is very humbling. But what I wanna just say to to all your listeners, um if you've got some experience and passion in what you do and if you share it, sometimes you share uh, just a little nugget. You don't realize that what you've done is you fed into somebody. I didn't realize that I had said. I didn't realize that. But I thank God that I was led to 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 say what I said. But when a lot of people say, "Well, you got to wait until you're older. Or you have to wait years." If you you're young, you have the wisdom that has been granted to you. And if you're working hard and you're, start, and you're developing your business, you're not at the level where Socrates is now. But as you go along and you stumble, you make mistakes, share that. Listeners, share that because somebody else can use that where you've fallen, where you've made a mistake, and how you've learned and how you've grown over that. Because in the process, this can, you can get you can feel as though you are a failure, and you've got to push yourself. So don't be ashamed. Don't be scared to share your failures. Don't be afraid to share what your, your, whatever you've done to help people as you grow in your passion. And I, this has been a wonderful show. And Cassandra and Socrates, you all are just absolutely amazing. Thank you for your time. No, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Sylvia. You're welcome. Thanks. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> you know, can we? Can I piggyback on what she said? Yes. So, so I absolutely love Sylvia, and she made a couple points that I want to share. You know, regardless of your age, she mentioned that sometimes you win. And John Maxwell, the the famous author of seventy books. Uh, has a quote that says, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. Mm -hmm. And the idea that Sylvia mentioned is that even in our mistakes, even when we fail, that is an experience that can be shared with someone else. So maybe they don't make the same mistakes, similar to that of a parent-child relationship. In some cases, our parents may have not done some things or may have made mistakes that they try to keep us away from making. Just because they're not successful doesn't mean that they don't have anything to share and prevent us from making some of the same mistakes that they've made. But I tell you this because one of the things that Sylvia mentioned that sparked the thought, it is a quote that I've read. I don't know. It's anonymous. It says, God puts to use what he puts us through. Mm -hmm. And that is the idea that even in the midst of the things that are not going well in our lives, maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe it's to help someone else out. And when we learn that that's what it's for and we ask ourselves, what am I supposed to learn from this terrible experience, and we realize that this is a nugget that we can share with someone else. And I think that is so critical to summarize what Sylvia mentioned. And it is, again, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. When you learn, share, and don't forget that God puts to use what he puts us through. Absolutely. Now, this has gone by way too fast. We're down to the last 11 minutes, and I do not want you to leave without talking about GoCriticalPath.com. Please share oh, wow. with us what you offer. So GoCriticalPath is the name of our consulting company. We do several things. Uh, first and foremost, our mission is simple, to move, touch, and inspire people to live up to their God-given potential. We help individuals visualize, the key is visualize, to see their success in front of them as if it happened already. Mm -hmm. Strategize, how do you put a plan together to, to get to that point and to execute? Let's put a, a detailed plan together to help you reach your goals. The name of the company is is Critical Path Consulting. Critical Path is a term used in project management that helps people identify a path. The, the cleanest path to reaching their goal is not necessarily the shortest path, it's not necessarily the longest path, but it is the cleanest and best optimal path to reach your goal. So our mission and goal in, in our business is to help professionals um, to do just that. So we do workshops, corporate workshops for small, medium, and large corporations. 
Some of our clients have included uh, Sprint, the telecom company, and universities like University of Central Florida or Indiana University, and countless other companies in the real estate industry and conferences. So workshops, we do professional business coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching, and mentoring. But we also are keynote speakers, so folks are looking for a keynote speaker. We also do keynote speakers where we customize not only workshops, but we also customize keynote speaking engagements for any occasions where we've done lots of, again, corporations, and we've even done some churches. Uh, and we, we, we're, we're believing that it is a ministry of ours to do touch, move, and inspire people through our consulting business. Wonderful. Cassandra? You know what's so wonderful about what I've seen us do is that we have people that have passions, and like Socrates said, we help them visualize, strategize, and execute, and they are in the midst of realizing their dreams. And I think that for us is um, success, is that where we can help individuals go from a space where they have no direction or they're not sure where they want to go and help them put a plan together that now they, they're on the path to executing. And that's, that's exactly what we do. Um, we talk about our journey. We're very candid. We're very humble. We're very um, transparent because we don't want to send the mixed message that, oh, it's a cakewalk. It absolutely is not. It's not easy. But we're there to guide people. We're there to share with people our personal experience in the hopes that it would help them in their own journey. Um, and so my personal mission is to um, help people tap into their leadership potential and find their own authentic voice um, as a leader in no matter what area they're in, personally, professionally, whether they're in an organization or they're about to do their own thing. So that is what Critical Path is for us. It's, it's our ministry. This is who we are. And so when a, a potential client comes, what do they have to bring? Or do they, they come just raw, or do they have to bring something to the table when they, when they meet with you? Sure. I, I had a meeting this morning with a uh, soon-to-be client. And so everyone we meet with, Anike, it's different. Some of our clients are corporations, like, uh, for example, Sprint. I use Sprint as an example. We met with the leader at a group uh, in Kentucky over the phone a couple times to understand where they are in their business. So it's really an interview. The first uh, meeting is an interview to understand what is it the client wants. At the end of the day, here's the thing. It is not about Cassandra and I. And I. It is about the client. So we want to listen to find out what, where are you now, what are your goals. We help them decide or create what I'll call smart goals specific, measurable, measurable, attainable, reasonable, and time-bound goals so we understand how do we help move the needle. So that particular client came told me exactly what was happening in his business, where his team was at the time, and what he needed from me so I can customize my workshop. Other individual clients that we coached, for example, many of them are business entrepreneurs that are looking to launch their business or looking to launch an idea. So we want to help them uh, identify what is it that you're, what's your goal for your business, what is your passion? In some cases, some of my clients, for example, I met with a couple a month ago, they, he had six things he said he was passionate about. So he was the fox and not the hedgehog. My goal was to help him narrow down going from six ideas down to two. Because if you have mm -hmm. six things going on at once, you want to be the jack of all trades and master of none. So my job is to yeah. help you find your hedgehog so that we can really put a, together a plan to help you be successful. So Depending on the client, some of them are workshop clients. I want to know what you want me to cover, what's your focus so I can customize the workshop there. If it's an individual that's looking to put together a business plan, I, we, we ask them, where are you now? Has your business been launched? Do you have a business plan? Do you have a strategy? We help create a strategy, thus creating the clear, critical path to their success. We've also gone into businesses. We flew to Georgia last year where we went into a business owner's business, and he needed to change the structure of his business. So we will fly out and we'll meet with business owners and help them create processes, uh, restructure their team. Mm -hmm. um, and and it's, it's a phenomenal thing because sometimes you've got talent, but they, sometimes you need to shake it up a little bit 
and you need some help reorganizing that and and, uh, getting your team going in a different direction, and we do that as well. As a leadership consultant, and I did that for a number of years in corporate America, one of the things that Cassandra mentioned to piggyback on that is we help people do this. Uh, I uh, get the right people on the bus, get the wrong people Mm -hmm. off the bus, and get the right Mm -hmm. people in the right seat on the bus. That's really important. I like that. I like that because I I have a lot of entrepreneurs and uh, small business owners and freelancers that are listening to this show, and you know they it's it's difficult to find the people that are willing to actually help you and 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 help you advance and and you guys work together, and things end up falling apart all the time. And so I, I that's one of the things I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you said that quote because I remember reading that and thinking that is very powerful. Very, very powerful. Absolutely. And, and you know, we, yeah. we have these conversations all the time. We, we actually have a YouTube channel where we're going to continue um, conversations like this that's really going to help people in, by giving them insights in certain aspects, not only in the book, but um, in our business experiences or what's happening out in the industry today in the world in terms of business and leadership, and we want to share those conversations with people. So we're, we have a YouTube channel if people want to follow us. Um, it is Find Your Hedgehog. Go Find Your Hedgehog mm-hmm. is the name of the YouTube channel. And mm-hmm. uh, they can also follow us on Facebook at Go Critical Path and also on Instagram, which is Critical Path Consulting. So there's several ways for individuals to kind of join the conversation or keep up with what we're doing, where we're going to be, what we have going on. But um, if you want to be a part of the conversation or you want to see um, when we're kind of um, doing our videos or, or talking about a certain topic, please follow us on YouTube, subscribe uh, to our channel, and very shortly we are going to be launching a couple of, of videos to help people along the way. Excellent. I'm glad you said that because that was going to be my next question. How can people find you? So excellent, excellent. We are down to the last three minutes of the show. It has gone by way, 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 way too fast. And so at this point... I would like to ask Cassandra, final thoughts. Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> final thoughts. Um, find your hedgehog and stop working um, has been something that, uh, I, like I said before, it is absolutely our ministry, but we really do share our hearts and we are, are you know, very transparent in this book. And we want, like Socrates said, we want to touch, move, and inspire people with what we do. And everyone has the ability to work or, or live their dream by finding their passion. Lead with passion. Find your passion first. And, and like we say, you know, find something that fuels your economic engine and that you can be highly skilled at. And work will stop being work. And that is our mission, is to help people to find their passion um, and we just thank you so much, Anike, for the opportunity to share that with, with everyone. And, and we're so honored that you had us on the show. So we really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Sakate? Sure, sure. My final thought is this. I'll share a statistic with you that's from entrepreneur.com. And that is that um, 75% of, or more of uh, people that work in corporate America are not passionate about what they do. I also learned that uh, if your listeners uh, can take a wild guess, that if you had to guess what day of the week do you think most people who get heart attacks get their heart attacks on, that day would be Monday. The hours are uh, crazy to be between 4 a.m. and 10 a.m. in the morning. And it's not strange. It's because that's when people are waking up on a Monday, going to a job that they hate with people that they don't like and a boss they can't stand. We spend 10 hours a day or more and at companies. We spend more time working than we do with our family. So we challenge people not just to leave their jobs, because that's not what the book is about, but it's to find something that you're passionate about so that on Monday morning or Sunday night before you go to bed, you're not anxious and stressed about going to an office that you don't want to be at. It is to truly find something that you're deeply, deeply passionate about so you're not stressed about it because it would be a, a travesty to wake up one day and you're 65 years old and you never followed your passion. So our goal is to inspire people to do just that. 
Excellent, excellent. Well, the lady in my head is telling me I have 30 seconds left on the show. I want to thank you both so much. This has been a powerful, inspiring conversation. Thank you to all my listeners, new and the, the regular listeners. I appreciate each and every one of you. Tomorrow, BJ Speaks at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Don't forget to go to www.goalcriticalpath.com. Check them out. Come back on April 13th and the 20th for two new shows. Thank you so much. As always, I wish you great success on your journey into your passions. Take care and have an excellent rest of your weekend. Bye-bye. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you.